have been chosen by God to do what he's called you to do. Divine power is actually for you to lift you up out of that miry situation. We allow God to change us first so that we can then go and be that catalyst for somebody else. And we do this because we say, my season of activation is now. And then you start to cream who you are. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just ignore and do nothing about it. He ignored it and he wrote in the ground. You need to write it on the tablet of your heart what the truth is. Second Peter, we're going to go there first. Second Peter 1, chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has been given to us. Come on, we're going to walk as people that actually have divine power on the inside of us. We're going to walk like individuals that have Holy Ghost divine power living and breathing and moving in and through us. Amen. Hallelujah. So in in 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His dunamis power, his power for miracles has been given to you. His power for miracles has been given to me. It's been given to us. And it's for all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means it's for all things in your life. It is for the days that you woke up and it's for the days that you felt good. It's for the days you woke up and you didn't know what hit you, but you're so down, you can crawl under the carpet. You're so low, you feel like you're just, wow, I can't even like lift my head up. That's how heavy I feel. Come on, we've all been there. We know exactly what we're talking about. But his divine power. His divine power is actually for you to lift you up out of that miry situation. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. Are we all following along? It says, his divine power and is pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue by which we have been given to exceedingly great and precious promises. They're ours. Say they're mine. Great and precious promises, they're mine, they're yours, and we will be partakers of this divine nature. What the enemy wants you to believe is the divine nature isn't quite working for you today, or it's not for you, it's for somebody else. No, it's his divine nature, and it's working in you, life and godliness. Are we following? His divine nature, it's his dunamis power living within us. Say, I've got dunamis power. I've got power for creative miracles living on the inside of me. You do. You have power for creative miracles living on the inside of you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. You may be pressed, but you're not crushed. You may be perplexed, but you're not in despair. You may be persecuted, but you are not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. We just have to remember, church, we have to remember we're not crushed. We are not in despair. We are not forsaken. We are not destroyed. What the enemy wants to do, he wants to hard press you. He wants to perplex you. He wants to confuse you. He wants to perplex, confuse. He wants to persecute, and he wants to strike you down. Say, but I'm not struck. I am not destroyed. I'm rising up. I'm rising up on the inside. Sons and daughters of the Lord, you have been chosen by God to do what he's called you to do. He says, you are the apple of my eye. He says, you are the apple I am. My eye is always upon you. He is watching over you. You are loved and you are accepted even on your worst day. Even on what you would consider your worst day. You're still loved. You're still accepted. And if you could come out of agreement with a lie and come into agreement with the truth, your worst day turns into your best day. So can I get an amen? Second Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. Hallelujah. So, you know, he doesn't measure out his love based on your behavior. He doesn't measure his love out based on 
your behavior. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Unfailing kindness. That means his kindness never fails. Our kindness fails sometimes. But his kindness never fails. It's unfailing. Jeremiah 31.3, say it over yourselves, please. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Say, he has loved me with an everlasting love. He has drawn you with his unfailing kindness. His unfailing kindness. Hallelujah. Say, I receive that today. His unfailing kindness. His drawing. I receive it today. Thank you, Lord God, your everlasting love. I receive it today. When, when you understand how loved you are by God, you do walk differently. You do. You exchange the lie for the truth. You walk as one that knows, I already please my heavenly father. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to receive a position I already own. You own it. It's yours. God's already purchased it with the blood of Jesus. You own it. It wasn't just the forgiveness of your sins that was purchased, right? It was the forgiveness of your sins, but it was also that you walk in wholeness. You're healed, you're saved, and you're delivered. If you're walking in wholeness, that means your mind is aligned with the word of God's truth. And when your mind is aligned with the word of God's truth, then you realize, I'm so loved that I'm going to walk with that understanding that I'm already favored. And I can do nothing to try to strive to gain more because it's unending, his love towards me. It's unending, right? It's beyond what I could. There's no limits on it. There are no limits on it. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, God. He says, for the joy that I've set before you, he's endured the cross, even the shame. He's endured it all. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher. Looking unto whom? Looking unto the problem? Looking unto your, your spouse? Looking unto Jesus. We must shift our focus unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author and he's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. Don't let the enemy bombard you and assault you with stones from the past. Some of you know exactly where I'm going. And some of you will find out. <laughs> John and chapter 8. There's a woman that was caught in adultery. Scribes and the Pharisees, they brought this woman out. And they were, well, they were just trying to entrap this woman. They were trying to entrap Jesus to entrap this woman is what they were trying to do. He says, you know what, I'm gonna, we're going to try to trick Jesus into putting this woman basically on the cross, stoning this woman. John chapter 8 and verse 1. It says here, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Scribes and the Pharisees, they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Once you stop right there and you go, wow, but that doesn't really apply to me. Put in there what does. Put in there what does. This individual was caught in a lie. This individual was cut, caught, caught in jealousy. This, this individual was was caught in in sowing seeds of discord this individual was was caught gossiping put in there what fits for you now moses it says it says here uh verse five now moses in the law commanded us that such be stoned 
Look at the legalistic, look at how legalistic they, they were, right? The Pharisees and the scribes are like, well, Moses said that this woman should be stoned. She was caught in the very act, you know. Seriously, you're talking to the son of God like this. You're how rude, how disrespectful, right? I mean, do, do, am I the only one that reads it like that? It's like, you know, like he's telling Jesus what the truth is as if he didn't already know. Dishonoring, disrespectful. Moses, it says, in the law commanded us that such be strong. But what do you say? It's a test. If you think that people don't do that nowadays in our own age and for you, then you got something coming. They still do. It's this still, it's this, the same spirit of, you know, I'm going to try to trap you. I, I'm going to try to pull one over on you. It's the same spirit. It's that, it's that it, very conniving and very controlling, very manipulative. And it doesn't have the heart of God. It has the heart to bring, bring you into a place of trickery and captivity. Let's go to verse 6. This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. The enemy is constantly trying to test you to try to accuse you too. He's always trying to test you and tries to accuse you. And you know what? Sometimes you give into it. You give into it when you go, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I'm not going to take that thought captive. Yeah, I, I do feel terrible. I do feel bad. It is my fault. I'm never going to change. I'm just might as well settle sadness, sorrow. Okay. You've just taken the accusation. The very next thing that happens is the stones get thrown right? You can't allow what Jesus has already rescued you from to literally bombard you with, right? The stones are ready to be thrown when the accusations have been launched. Only you know what the accusations are. And only you can actually cancel those accusations because the blood of Jesus already has. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus, hallelujah, I love the but gods in the story. But God, but Jesus, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground with his fingers as if he didn't hear. He's like, really? You know, you're going to dishonor? You're going to, well, you know what? I'm going to just do what I know to do because I'm the son of God. I'm just going to write down on the ground. I'm not even going to, I'm going to ignore the dishonor and the disrespect. Silence speaks louder than words sometimes. You speak more by not. There are times you need to speak, but sometimes you speak more by being silent and letting your position be known. It's not just silence, but being cowardly inwardly. Oh, no, no, no. It's a silence that stands in authority. So he, he stoops down and he writes in the ground with his finger. Mm hmm. I love what he says. Look at verse 7. He acts as if he doesn't hear, first, first of all. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a, a stone at her first. Whoever is without sin. And again, stoops down and he writes on the ground, on the ground again. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience. They, they all heard what he said. It says they were all being convicted. They went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing there in the midst. Number one here, I want you to get this. When the devil accuses you, I want you to ignore him. Okay? Um, you ignore him and, uh, and, and then you start to cream who you are. 
Okay? He tells you that you're never going to change. You're always going to stay sick. You're always going to have this problem. You're, you're never going to achieve this or that. Okay? Well, I've already taught you about binding and rebuking, and there's a time for that. But then there's also a time when you got to realize he's harassing you. Stop playing, stop feeding into the game. Sometimes he's just harassing you, and you need to know. You've already spoken it. Do you think Jesus is going over and over and over and saying the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing? There's a harassing spirit at work sometimes, and it's trying to wear you out. And the best thing you can do is look at that thing, ignore it. And what did Jesus do? He didn't just ignore and do nothing about it. He ignored it, and he wrote in the ground. You need to write it on the tablet of your heart what the truth is. He wrote it in the ground. Write it on the tablet of your heart what the truth is. You don't just ignore without any purpose. You don't just ignore and walk away and just leave that door open. When you ignore the devil because it's a harassing spirit, you need to write it on the tablet of your heart what the truth is. I am saved. I am healed. I am the beloved of, of God. I am called. I am anointed. I am set apart. You need to write on the tablet of your heart who you are. He wrote it on the ground. You're going to write it in your heart. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Wow, they were all acting as if they were somebody. Boy, but he, he literally just, he set them straight. He says, who among you have no sin? You can be the first to cast the stone. So verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and he saw no one there, he says to the woman, he says, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now you can just imagine her, you know, just... There, feeling totally shamed, naked, afraid, vulnerable. And she, and he sa she says, no one, no one, Lord. Neither, Jesus says, neither do I. Neither do I condemn you. But he says, go and sin no more. He says, I don't, I don't condemn you either. But go and sin no more. Anytime our thoughts don't align with God's word, we're allowing sin in our heart. We're allowing that negativity literally is a lack of faith. And anything that is not of faith is sin. So we if we're going to go forward step after step after step, then we have to stop taking two steps forward and three backwards. Faith will rise up within you, but our job is to write the truth on the tablet of our hearts. Obviously, the Holy Spirit does that. But our part, we have a part. We have a part to play. As Jesus wrote on the ground, you will also write on, the, on your heart. You will make sure that your, your, the truth is secure in you. Amen? So that's my job. I'm going to do my job. Amen? We're going to block out the voice of the enemy. That's exactly what Jesus did. And who's our example but the living God? He is our example. Say, so he is my example. Amen? And so literally, by turning the other way, it's as if Jesus just put his hand up, and you certainly can do this and say, mm, not today, devil, and not ever. You put up that hand, and that hand is saying, no, here's the wall. This is the dividing line. This is, this is what's going on on the inside. It's a no, no. And know again. And you know, your faith will rise to the level of, of 
that you needed to as you continue to take what I'm what I'm telling you to do and, and practically apply it. At first, you feel kind of sheepish, kind of like, I don't know if I should, how, this is, maybe works for her, but it doesn't work for me, but it will work for you if you just do what I say. Start where you're at. Start with the little things, and trust me, you will start to grow. And let me tell you, you will start to feel, and I know it's not about feelings, but you, but feelings do follow our thoughts. Okay, it's we we uh, there has to come a point in time where our feelings do come in alignment with our thoughts and our thoughts and our feelings are all giving glory to God. There has to come a point in time where our whole body, our whole mindset, our whole emotions, everything, because Jesus died to make you whole. That doesn't mean just healed in your body, but healed in your mind, healed in your emotions, saved from sin, delivered from demonic tormentors. Whole, say whole, whole. means all of it, all. right? All of it, amen? And so when you put up the hand, it's like you're telling the devil, oh, I don't think so, devil, not on my watch. You know what the enemy was trying to do here through this woman? A number of things. But what he really wanted to do, well, he wanted to, he want, and it wasn't just to this woman. Remember, it was also to Jesus, right? Intimidation, trying to intimidate her. The devil always wants to intimidate you, put you into silence to try to shame you from your past. Her past was kind of current. We read it as if it was past, right? But to her, it was present. But he does the same to you. He tries to shame you from your present, which is really your past. Because God doesn't see it as your present. It's your past. Because it's actually already buried. It's already the old man has died and the new man has risen up. So it feels like your present, but it's your past. Say, it's my past. And the enemy tries to bring intimidation so that you're going to walk in a place of intimidation with something that's already dead. And you're resurrecting it. But it's your past. Hallelujah. But we're going to counterattack the enemy with the boldness of the Lord and with the confidence of the Lord. Because if the Son has made you free, come on, whom the Son has set free, is free indeed. John 8, 36. If you're going to write down, write it down. Whom the Son. If the Son has made you free, then you're free indeed. In the name of Jesus right now, I decree freedom over you because the Son has already made you free. I decree freedom over you. And not only that, but I also decree over you a recognition when the enemy's tactics start to rise up within you. An increase of discernment over each and every one of you. That when you realize, wow, I'm doing these things that she's referring to, but there's a discernment that's rising up on the inside of you. And you can tell when it's warfare. You can tell when it's witchcraft. You can discern it. And because you discern it, you take authority over it and say, uh -uh, I don't think so, devil. Add of here I am and then you remember you already wrote it on the tablet of your heart and then you start speaking what you already wrote on the tablet of your heart that you have been favored by God you are the favored of the Lord you are called you are chosen God has forgiven you he has given you a purpose there is a purpose there is a calling on your life and God doesn't shift like a shifting shadow he doesn't say one thing today and then change his mind tomorrow he's the same yesterday today and forever he is the same and it gives us great comfort but I decree over you right now there's a rising up on the inside of you and there's an understanding that when discernment needs to be in place discernment is in place there is a check in your spirit and you take authority over what needs to be taken authority over and you walk out differently you rise up and you take that and say ah oh, no, no no I have been fully equipped I have been prepared I have been full why because I'm a partaker of God's divine nature because I'm literally walking as a partaker because it's his divine presence living on the inside of me 
It's his divine presence living on the inside of you. Amen? That's who you are. That's who we all are. Blood-bought, chosen. Before the foundation of the world, we've been chosen to do great exploits. This is what the word of the Lord says in Daniel, that you have been chosen, that you will do great exploits for the kingdom. That means great things for the kingdom. That means you're, you're chosen by God to do great things for the kingdom. Did you know that? You're chosen by God, so we're not going to let our past dictate our future because it's exactly what the enemy wants to you to do. And then therefore, though you have been chosen to do great exploits, you can't seem to do the great exploits because you're still trying to, uh, you're still trying to get free from the being buried from all the stones that have been thrown your way. Uh-uh, no more. And you might be going, well, no, 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 no. No, it's true. Because you know what? It's all in your mind. It's, it's, it's all in your mind. It's the thoughts that you allow to bombard you. It's in your mind. The battle is in the mind, right? The warfare that we experience so much of the time, this is the battle that's in our mind. Every single one of you could walk out so on fire and so charged and so different because it is the power of God. It's this dunamis power that has already been given to us. It's it's a gift. Jesus is a gift to us. His Holy Spirit is a gift to us. And God wants you to walk in divine unction so that when you speak, you are so used to walking in God's divine unction that you know every word out of your mouth is going to be led by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And it is literally walking. You're walking. You're speaking. And it's miraculous power. And it's going somewhere to happen. It's literally going someplace. The words are. The words that God uses you to speak, divine unction. Because words carry weight, they carry power. There's life and death and the power of the tongue. They carry power. And the words that are spoken under the divine unction of the Holy Ghost will be words that have the power to transform lives. And that's what we're here to do. All of us. Every one of us. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Father. So your season of activation is now, church, because moment by moment, we're going to take every thought and make it captive, make it obedient. This scripture verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, you're going to take every thought, make it captive, make it obedient over over your life, right? We're going to release God's word over our lives, and remember, God is watching he is watching over what? Over his word. What is he watching over his word to do? To perform it. God is watching. He is watching over his word. He is watching over his word to bring it to pass, to perform it. Jeremiah 1.12. Jeremiah 1.12. He's watching over his word to perform it. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Don't think that your thoughts are higher than his. Don't think that your ways are higher than his. Trust, believe, simple faith, unless you become like a child, right? God says, when you become like a child, that's why he says, don't, let the, don't hinder the children from coming to me. But he wants us to become like a child, simple faith. When we walk in that simple faith, the kingdom is ours. The kingdom is ours. In the kingdom, there's a king. The kingdom is ours. We are seated with him. We're seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. We know the word of God. This is what we're promised. Great and precious promises. Our divine season of activation is now. Say it with me. My divine season for activation is now. 
I am activated now in the Holy Ghost. Jude 1.20 says when we pray in the Spirit, and when we pray, it builds us up in the inner man. Because we recognize and we honor divine connections, we will achieve all that the Lord has for us. When you recognize and, and, you, and when you are in agreement with divine connections, you will achieve what God has already spoken for you. Hallelujah. I decree over you, Philippians 1.6, that he who has begun a good work in you is faithful. He is faithful to complete it. I want you to say it over yourself. I believe this word, that he who has begun a good work in me, he's faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He absolutely has begun a good work in us, every one of us. The moment you said yes to Jesus, he began a good work in you. You may not know of all the good works that he's begun, but he's begun them. And he also says he's going to complete them. Don't you love that? Because he doesn't lie, right? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't change his mind. So when we know this, the work that he's begun in you, he's going to complete it. The work that he's begun in those that you love, that you're praying for, that you're covering, he's going to complete it. We cannot take our eyes off of this truth. Cannot take our eyes off of this. Because I'll tell you, discouragement is quick to follow if we allow our eyes to be removed from the truth. And no one is above that. No one is above, uh, like, ever being discouraged or taken in by the lies and the trickery of the enemy. But we have to be iron that sharpens iron. We have to be those individuals that will say, you know what, I'm going to hold you accountable. Will you hold me accountable? And the way we hold each other accountable is by decreeing the truth. No, that's not who you are. No, that's not what God promised. This is what God promised. I know you feel that way. I know this is happening right now. I know this is the story you're telling me. I believe what you're saying, but it's not God. And so this is what his word says. Will you be that individual for somebody? That is what we need to be for one another. Iron sharpening iron. That's what that means. We're going to let the word be what comes forth out of our mouths because it is the word that is alive. And it is the word that doesn't shrink back. It's the word that doesn't change. It's the word that's going somewhere to produce the very intentions of God's heart. So our divine season of activation is now. We're not going to wait until everything is said and done, perfect, picture perfect and done. No, we're going to go now. Say, I'm going now. I'm going now because if I go now, and I mean in faith, doing the will of God, if we're going now, if we do that now, say yes to the Lord and literally jump in with both feet in the deep end, when you do that, what happens is he's going he's to equip you because you're trusting him. And when you trust God, you're out of the way because you realize I can't, if you don't show up, I can't. Good. Because that's the perfect place to be. Then God could literally do for you what you can't do for yourself. And then he gets all the glory. And the, the people you've been praying for and you're standing in, in agreement and you're saying, wow, Lord, what happens is you're getting filled up. You're getting strengthened. You're getting empowered. And they see the change. And they start to, they start to whether they question it or whether they, just, whether they just inquire, but they see something different and they say, well something's going on here and it's different we allow God to change us first so that we can then go and be that catalyst for somebody else and we do this because we say my season of activation is now not in 10 years not when my spouse returns to the Lord not when my son or my daughter decides to give their life truly to Jesus. No, it's now. Because if you change, you give the opportunity for them to change. Because they'll see Jesus in you. And we're going to give them Jesus. They will see Jesus in you. And then guess what? They're going to taste and see how good the Lord is. Because all you are doing is giving out the goodness of the Lord. You're over. You're filled up with an overflowing. How could they not? It's the importance of being filled up 
the importance of being so filled up that we're overflowing. Are the words of Christ just flowing in you and out of you? because they need to be his Holy Spirit yeah just more and more just the overflowing of God's goodness his love for you see our mindset changes and then everything changes because we realize wow I've been called for such a time as this I'm actually already equipped for life and for godliness I'm actually already equipped so are you you are ready to do what God's called you to do. And when you walk in this understanding, every demon, they bow, they, they shriek and shrivel and leave. Why? Because there is no match for the word of God.